Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at bbmglobalnetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. This is Dead But Not Gone with host Toby Evans. Dead But Not Gone shares an aspect of the afterlife that is typically not considered, that loved ones or strangers that have died may still be here, impacting your life more than you realize. So now, please welcome the host of Dead But Not Gone, Toby Evans. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Toby Evans, and I'm really excited to be sharing my new show with you, Dead But Not Gone, here on BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. We all got to have a little bit of taste of Mercury Retrograde. So we had a little problem with Skype, so thank you for your patience and hanging in here with me. I really want to present this first show with you. So the title, Dead But Not Gone, may make you wonder a little bit what the show is all about. And I'm quoting Jean Houston, who would start out by saying, it's jump time. I'm going to explain how that applies by sharing a metaphor with you. I envision this show like a diving platform sitting on top of an iceberg. And that iceberg represents the 3D world that we live in and the one that we see before our eyes, the one that we all collectively accept as real. And imagine that the platform is sending out a signal. And that signal is an invitation to jump off the tip of the iceberg and to go deep soul diving beneath the surface of ordinary reality. That means beyond the controls of our conditioned consciousness, because that's where all the good stuff is anyway. In Jean Houston's definition, and she's written a book called Jump Time, she explains that this is a whole system transition. So think about this as far as what we're going through right now. She calls this an interactive change that affects every aspect of life as we know it. It's a changing of the guard on every level. It's a breakdown and a breakthrough of every old way of being, knowing, relating, governing, and believing. It's shaking the foundation from all of us, and it's shaking the foundation of everything that we know. 
and yet it's allowing for another higher order to come forward. That's what this is all about. I had a client recently come to me who was really shook up. She had several um, earthbound spirits attached to her, but li her life was just kind of going to pieces. And she told me that she felt like Humpty Dumpty. She said, I feel like I have so many cracks in me and all of the shell is falling off and I am so afraid that I'm not gonna be able to get these pieces back together again. Well, I really identify with that. And many people are feeling that in so many ways. And the thing that I told her, and that I'm telling all of you that are feeling that in your own way, is the pieces aren't meant to go back together, okay? The shell is supposed to break. We are all breaking open from the inside out. And not only are we breaking open and allowing that shell to fall away, but the wall that we were sitting on is Humpty Dumpty. That's also breaking apart. And that wall for many of us is our foundation. It is the things that we've held true, that we believed in, that was what we thought was our reality. And that's all breaking apart. So it's a difficult time for all of us. Many of you who are listening have already jumped off the platform countless times and are really comfortable swimming in the multidimensional realms. But this, if this is all new to you and you're tentative about taking the plunge, it's just fine because this is an invitation to not do a solo dive, but instead we're all in this together. This is the time to collaborate. I don't know if you've noticed that in what's going on in your own lives. Things that maybe you felt like you're a lone wolf and like to do things on your own. It's not working out so well by yourself. It is time for us to join forces, to figure things out together. And that adds to what I'm doing, which is share weird experiences. Learn from each other, help each other, support each other, and be kind to each other. This is the time that we're in. So I think of this show like a tandem jump that we're going to take together to explore some soul size issues. Your part is to have an open mind and to be willing to step up, stepping into the higher order, stepping into that vibrational change that's happening, that's quaking all of us. But as we step into that, there's a waking up that's happening inside of us. And we're waking up more fully to what's really going on in, under, around, and out of this world. All of those things are coming into view. For my 60th birthday, which was um, a few years ago, I joined a friend in doing something that we both talked about wanting to experience for a long time, and that was skydiving. Okay, it seemed like a good idea, and we rationalized that we weren't getting any younger, and that this was the perfect time in our lives to do something like that. And we also rationalized it saying, it can't be so bad because we're gonna do a tandem jump. So we don't have to really figure this out. We just have to trust the guy who really knows what he's doing. We need to trust the expert back there and just be willing to jump and enjoy the ride. Well, 
that attitude kind of started changing a little bit by the time I got to the airport and walked into the hangar. And there I sat down and had to fill out at least 40 release forms, all that were signing away, saying that if I was hurt or maimed or killed, that I wouldn't be suing anybody because, of course, I didn't have a leg to stand on. So I began to feel this unraveling inside of myself. I began to think maybe this wasn't a good idea. And I also became, became really aware of a split that was occurring inside of me. The split that I'll identify, I'll say I could feel my soul on one side and I could feel my body on the other side. And my soul was going, come on, I wanna do this. What do you think I've been pushing you for? I really want you to have this experience. And my body was agreeing with my husband going, why would you want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Are you crazy? Well, in that moment, I began to feel like I was crazy because my body was shutting down. It was going into what I'll call triple warmer reactivity, which means the flight, fight or freeze response was going haywire. And mainly it was freeze. I could feel like ice going through my veins. Everything was getting really like dizzy, blacked out. I wasn't feeling well at all. I don't know if any of you have ever watched a movie where they're showing a nuclear reactor that's in meltdown mode and everybody is running around crazy inside of it where you hear this very annoying buzzer that keeps going off. You know that sound, ah, 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 that sound? That's what's happening inside of me. And I just felt like I want this all to stop. But the flight part wasn't engaged. I couldn't even move. I was frozen. So at that point, it was like the soul piece jumped in and started talking to me and saying, remember, this is a tandem jump. You're not doing this all alone. And then it kind of started, I don't know if I'd say bargaining with me, but it was convincing me, saying, you can pretend that your tandem partner is your higher self. And you can imagine that this is a reenactment of when you came to Earth in the first place, because you did a jump at that time, too. And it might have seemed like a very good idea when you made the jump. And all of you who are listening, you all made the jump, too. Every one of us in a body decided at some point out there that this was a really good idea that we wanted to be here for this time, that we wanted to contribute what it is that we have to contribute. So we all jumped in. But he was reminding me, or she was reminding me, that I didn't jump alone, that when I made that jump, that wasn't a solo dive either, even though every one of us that made that dive feels really all alone in that jump. And the reminder was, it was a tandem jump then. You jumped with your higher self. Your higher self was always connected, always attached. And just like in this tandem jump, kind of invisible to you, where you don't really even have the awareness that they're back there. 
Well, I calmed down enough to walk out into the area where we had to be strapped together, getting into the harnesses. And I was reminded when I met my instructor, my tandem partner that I am now projecting is going to be the reenactment of my higher self. I was reminded of what a good sense of humor the universe has. Because my tandem partner turns around to me and introduces himself. And of course, he's telling me his nickname, but that's what he goes by. And he says, my name is Hack, H-A-C-K, Hack. And I'm going, great, I have a hack for a higher self. This makes perfect sense. When you look up hack in the dictionary, one of the interpretations or definitions is a benign prankster. I thought that that really fits. I have a benign prankster as a higher self. I pulled it together enough to get up into the plane. And when it actually was my turn to jump, which we were the last ones out, I thought it was really fitting, given this whole higher self scenario that was going through my head, that instead of the way you see things on television of people jumping out on doing skydiving, where they just jump out the door, this was done in a particular way with this outfit, that they had the person in front actually go into the fetal position that that's what it felt like. I'm squatting down in the door. I have my arms across my chest, holding on. And I am sitting there like an egg. And an egg felt very appropriate that I'm sitting on that edge waiting for the higher self to give me kind of that signal where he more or less tipped me or rolled me out. So I was my own Humpty Dumpty rolling out of that and then going immediately into that back bend where you're doing kind of a eagle's arms going out. All of the terror left in that moment in the free fall. And I went from this terror to, I don't know if wonder is quite the right word yet, because it was more of a suspended feeling, but the terror was all gone. And then I was really recognizing, because that free fall lasted a really long time, okay? But enough that it was like this slow motion that you could really take it in. And I was aware that my soul and my body that had felt so split before were doing this rush into each other, that the soul was coming fully into the body. I was doing full soul-body fusion, where the two of them were merging totally, completely. It made me understand in that moment why people do the extreme sports or the high-risk things where they're right on that edge feeling like their life is going to be over. I got it because I was never so present. It puts you totally into the now. So I understood the power of now because I was in it. Then when it went from that moment of the free fall to the chute opening, there was this incredible lift or, again, the jump, the jump time, jumping up. And that jump, just in the way Gene Houston is re really interpreting that to be, it was a step up in consciousness. 
I was realizing in that yanking up that I was stepping up in consciousness in order to wake up. And when that happened, when the chute opened, that's when the moment of wonder came in. Because at that point, the other thing that shifted was hack, who wasn't visible to me at all during any of that part of the whole free fall, all of a sudden came into my awareness. Hack was right there by me, right there next to me, right there visible. And for the first time, I could hear him. I could talk to him. There was like a turning on of this whole dialogue between us that I could understand also all of the moments in my life with my own higher self. What a wondrous moment it was when that turned on for me. And that, for me, happened in my 30s. Hi, my name is Myra Fox, and I am a survivor. I am the founder of the Castle Lewis I Survived Foundation and the author of a series of books entitled I Survived a Murder Untold, which tells the story of my sister and I who were abandoned and left in the care of a woman who beat us repeatedly. Unfortunately, it resulted in the death of my sister, Castle Lewis, which is revealed in a page-to-page chilling story. After spending time in the foster care system, I've documented my suffering and my loss and ultimately my survival. I'm blessed to work daily in my community and surrounding areas to give back by helping others and feeding the homeless. I want to spread awareness of the dangers of abuse. You can purchase my books and contribute to the Castle Lewis I Survive Foundation by visiting www.castlelewis.com or you can call us at 540-999-8401. Thank you. Joseph A. Moylan is the owner of Ion Health, which specializes in very unique medical devices. Ion Health offers biomats, alkalife, and frequency machines. Biomats are a far infrared and negative ion emitting FDA approved medical device. With many different sizes available, you can place them on your bed, on a massage table, or on a seat in your car. It is an unobtrusive way to health. Alkalife machines are water ionizers that cleanse and raise the alkalinity of your tap water, making high alkaline water. Frequency machines utilize certain frequencies to kill viruses and bacteria. These devices are safe and effective. Coming from a health-conscious background and studying physiology at the Academy of Natural Health, Joseph A. Moylan has 15 years of experience in the health field and wants to help you live a healthy, long life. Visit www.ionhealthbiomats.weebly.com or call 765-520-2988. Don't let your health go astray. Get in touch today. America is out of control. Today's capitalism and the approach to money is in fact a symptom of a more widespread pattern of excessive behavior. In his book, The Culture of Excess, How America Lost Self-Control and Why We Need to Redefine Success, clinical psychologist Dr. Jay Slosar portrays an America where excess fuels the drive to succeed. Dr. Slosar examines the cultural factors that lead to excess ranging from obesity to fraud to pervasive budget deficits. His book examines the powerful economic and social factors and their impact on our psychological well-being. 
Dr. Slosar explores the psychological impact of increasing narcissism, perfectionism, self-destruction, and our identity confusion. He offers recommendations for helping Generation Me become Generation We. Those who resist Slosar's message will want to avoid his discussion of regulation and his recent message that at this point, democracy must be more important than today's capitalism. Get his book now online or by visiting thecultureofexcess.com. French Rastafarian baker Chef Ugmat is a fourth-generation baker and has worked in 11 countries across three continents. Born in Mulhouse, France, he began apprenticing in his father's bakery at age 12 and has devoted his life to learning cultures of the world from inside kitchens across the globe. He also teaches traditional French baking by hosting demonstrations and classes, and his passion for baking is reflected in his delicious confections. With a deep respect for discipline and his Rastafarian way of life, Sheikh Uvmat exemplifies commitment to tradition and culture in a global world. Traveling extensively and combining a myriad of flavors into his recipes, Chef Ugmat brings a unique approach to baking. To read more about the French Rastafarian baker, visit www.frenchchefoug.com. That's H-U-G-U-E-S. Bon appétit and bless up. When the internal dialogue kind of all of a sudden came through, it's like my parachute opened. I was no longer in that alone state, feeling like I was sent here and abandoned on Earth. I had this part that was always there, always connected, but I had to dial it in in a certain way. For most people, your higher self access happens in all different kinds of ways. I've heard many people say, um, my higher self is most clear to me when I'm in nature or when I'm doing something creative, you know, and our higher self does talk to us different ways. That dialogue comes in and I think quiet and being still is definitely part of it. But we all hear it differently or sense it differently because for some it is that gut feeling. For some, it's following your intuition. For some, it's synchronicity of seeing things, of having that cosmic wink happen. But it is that small voice that's there. And for me, it's an audible voice. It's not something that I'm just looking for abstract signs. It really comes in and I hear an actual dialogue in my head. I feel very blessed because I know not everyone interprets their higher self in the way that I do. But when I hear an inner signal, I go with it. I've learned to go with that. I really trust it. And because of the higher self connection that I've had for over 30 years, it really started guiding me toward the work that I'm doing today. An aspect of that work that we're emphasizing on this show is helping earthbound souls cross over to the world of light. This is something for me that began in the 1990s. And then the numbers and the frequency in which it was happening started increasing. So that by the early 2000s, it was really kicked into high gear. And by 2012, I realized that I had two different sets of clients. 
those who were coming to me, who were visible to me in bodies, who seemed like they were in the foreground, they were coming to me for things like an Akashic record reading or spiritual counseling or energy medicine or a past life regression or an LBL, which is a life between life regression based on Dr. Michael Newton's work. And then there was those who were in the background, the clients that were invisible, the clients that were dead, but not gone. This whole piece really changed everything for me. When I realized that the clients that weren't in bodies, in many ways, they were the ones being the catalyst for the ones who were in bodies to come. Or I should say that in some cases, because not all of them wanted to cross over, but in some cases I would say it was the higher self-guidance of those who were out of body, who weren't figuring out how do I do this. And it's like things were steering them to have this be discovered to have it become visible to at least my eyes so that I could help them. This has been very gratifying work to do, and unusual, I admit, but gratifying. So that by that same year, 2012, I began to hear from my inner GPS system that it was time to write a book and at first I balked about that because I always balk when my higher self gives me directives, even though that might seem strange. I always have to argue with it in my own head and get that out of my system. So I was doing my arguing, saying, and what am I supposed to be writing a book about? Because I had finished my first book in 2005, and it was one of those things that I thought, been there, done that, crossed that off the list, I'll never have to do that again. And so I wasn't really jumping up and down ready to do this. And when I kept asking, what am I supposed to be writing a book about? What came back was... It's time. It's time to talk about what you've been experiencing. It's time to talk about those who are dead but not gone. So that was the name that I was given for the book. And the subtitle for the book is, Are You Part of the Soul Bridge to Guide Them Home? And that's really talking to all of you. I'm not alone in doing this. And I was told, I was reassured by my higher self that I wouldn't be writing this book alone, that many other people are doing this work, many other people who are doing it that I know nothing about, but also many people that have come to me and that are doing the work as part of my clients and my peers and my friends who are all having these experiences. And they also are telling their stories. They're contributing or I'm telling their story. So this show is really an outgrowth of that material. I didn't wake up one morning and decide to pursue a career dealing with the unseen realms. That wasn't something I planned. And yet, helping earthbound spirits cross over isn't exactly a recognized mainstream vocation. Can you imagine yourself 
any of you that are younger, that are at that college age, that are trying to figure out what do I want to do with my life? What, what am I suited for? What kind of career do I want to even follow? Can you imagine yourself going to a career counselor and after they talked with you and found out your interest and they say back to you, well, let's see, you are really sensitive and you might be classified as an intuitive empath and you do really well navigating between worlds. You seem to be grounded in both of them. So that's a good thing. And you want to help people. I've got it. The perfect occupation for you would be a psychopomp. Now, I don't think so. We aren't really going to hear that, or at least I didn't hear it when I was that age. But now you might start hearing it. We're waking up to a new time where people are becoming more aware. A psychopomp is a really funny word. When I first heard it, I thought, and what does that mean? It sounds like the cross between somebody's crazy, the psycho part, and somebody who's really arrogant, the pompous part. Okay, and that's not what it means. Okay, psychopomp is a Greek word, and it comes from the word pompos, which means conductor or guide, and psyche, which means soul or breath or life. So when you put those two together, they're talking about a guide of souls or a soul guide. This role is not a new age term. It's not something that just popped up since we've gone into the so-called new age. This is a role that's been documented throughout history by religion and psychology and mythology, and there's been a lot of art that has been drawn around this subject, stories told, um, other kinds of pictures that have been drawn with it, and think of more modern times. Think of TV. I think it was probably 1994, between 1994, and it ran for nine seasons, was the show Touched by an Angel. So really those characters, the ones that you remember, if any of you are old enough to remember this show with me or watched it, Monica and Tess, which was Della Reese, and Andrew were all angels who were really psychopomps. Okay, but they were playing kind of a dual role. They were playing the role of angels when it came time to cross somebody over, but they were also playing the role of human psychopomps because other people could see them through the show and they had roles to play. So, so the original name, that psychopomp name, it really is referring to those who are out of body, okay, that are escorts on the other side who are helping the soul make that transition and get over that distraction that happens at the time of death and confusion and really escort them all the way across to the world of light. Okay, that's what a psychopomp does. Whether you want to call that world heaven or the summer land, or the afterlife, doesn't really matter. 
but they make sure they get there, which means they're going from that lower astral to the higher realms where they can understand what just happened. What was that life about? And they can reevaluate. They can look back over their life and they can have a whole different way of seeing it and learning from it and sit down with their council of elders and sit down with their spiritual guides and sit down with their soul group. And in many ways, it's like a wonderful graduation. It's a welcome home that happens. Well, these forms of the psychopomps, when they're not in physical form, they can take on many different forms. One of them, the common ones that you can think of, would be religious figures. So depending on what your orientation is, you might see Jesus or Krishna or Buddha or Muhammad. You might see a guru. You might see your, a special teacher that you have. Okay, for others, and more commonly, you might see your own relatives, your own loved ones, your spouse who already went before you and is waiting for you. So it can take on any form that's comforting to you, including you that have pets that you loved. They may be there as part of that guidance team. I'm convinced that when I die, I'm going to have a whole dog pack because I've lost about 10 dogs and I loved each one of them dearly. And I know they're all going to be waiting there. So this experience of having a psychopomp meet you, greet you, and escort you across, well, that's the way it would work. And you could think, well, what can go wrong with that? There's always somebody there that's going to greet every single person. And by the way, I was told that, that no one ever, ever dies alone. No one ever is not met by someone. And why that's true is because the someones that are showing up to meet them are really an extension of their own higher self. That higher self can take any form that's going to be comforting for them. But it's really you. I remember hearing Daniel Brinkley, the man who has died at least three times and has come back every time. And he laughs at that, saying, people always ask, who's going to meet me? And he says, the joke is, it's you. You know, but the you means it is that higher part of yourself that's taking on whatever form is most needed. I had my own personal experience with an otherworld psychopomp at the time that my dad died. And I think losing a loved one in your own family rocks you to the core, and in many ways, it's an initiation. It's an initiation of what death is all about when you have to go through that. So about a week before my dad died, I began to have these strange dreams. And one morning, I woke up hearing a name, a name that I had never heard before. The name was Joaquin Nile. And when I questioned that and I said, what does that mean? The response I heard back was, 
It means one who walks beyond illusion. Well, I got up, I went into the shower. I knew it was really close to the time that dad was very close to death. And I really wanted to be there for that to happen. And as it ended up, this was about a week before he died. So I get into the shower, and as I shut the door, there is this presence that I feel with almost this shadow that falls across the door. And I shudder inside, and I hear myself say, oh no, the angel of death is here. And the minute I said that, I heard back inside of my head, it was a female voice, and it said, you have no reason to be afraid of me. You are an angel of death too. And I asked, are you Wakanile? And she answered me, and she said, that's not my name, but it's a title that refers to many who walk beyond the 3D illusion of death. And it's our job to guide others there. Well, at that moment, it was as if a window opened up and I was pulled through that window with her into a room. It was dimly lit and there was incubators everywhere in this room with babies in them. And she said, I want to show you something. And she took me up to one of the incubators and she said, I want you to think about this in a different way than you have, because this is your father. So she's showing me this little tiny baby in an incubator. And she said, all of you live your life, and you are so attached to that life, and you value that life as you should. And yet, it's really like you're in this little plastic bub bubble the whole time. And you're going through your life and you're learning everything that you need to. But the interaction, in other words, those holes that you see at the incubator that you stick your arms through and you can actually hold the baby or nurture the baby or tend to their knees, their needs, those holes, she was telling me, are really used by the higher self that are working with the individual, that small little aspect. So I think the reason they were showing me it in a baby form is because it's such a small aspect of who we really are, that the greater part of who we really are are the ones walking around the nursery, the ones who are really tending to things. And she said, we can't interfere with your free will, that when you want our help when you ask for help, when you're saying your prayers and saying, God, you've got to help me, or I really need something right now, that's heard. And those arms can come into the incubator and they can tend to us. So I really liked that idea. But then she said to me, your father is ready. He's ready to be anchored into the next world. And so she pointed out this silver cord it was almost like an umbilical cord coming from him. And she said, you can do that if you choose to. Give me the cord, slide it through the hole, and I'll take it. And I hesitated because that felt scary to me. But I reached in and I took the silver cord and I handed it to her. And when I did, the whole scene changed. 
And I saw my dad the way he looked at that time. He was only 61 when he died. And I see him walking up this hill and coming toward him are two of his brothers who were my uncles, Uncle Moose and Uncle Shorty. Don't you love nicknames? And they were coming right at my dad. And I could see them coming closer and closer. And Moose and Shorty had both died several years before dad. But as they approached each other, it's like they held their hands up to him and he took their hands. And when he reached and made that connection, I saw this explosion of light that was really scary for me because I thought, oh no, that means he just died. Well, he didn't just die, but my sister, who was the caretaker during that time, told me that he did have an episode that day and that he went unconscious and that she was really afraid that he wasn't going to come back. And he did. He came back long enough for all of us to be there with him at that end. And I was lucky enough to have my own time with him as we all did, all my brothers and sisters had time with him before he went. But I had to ask him, because my dad was not a woo-woo guy. He was not somebody who would say things that weren't there. And I had to ask him, Dad, are you aware of Moose and Shorty around you? And he acted really sheepish, but he said, yes, they're here. And that's the one thing I do know, that when it's time, when it's your time and you've had an illness like that, that you're lingering, you spend a lot of time in and out of the body. And that goes for anybody that is having any kind of a that you're in a coma or you're in a prolonged state. I do believe you spend a lot of time out of the body making that preparation. So that was my introduction to Awaken Nile. And it was six months later that I was doing a sweat lodge experience, that I was pouring the water onto the rocks and we were in the last round. And a sweat lodge, for those of you that don't know, is a Native American purification ceremony. And that last round is usually reserved for a gratitude round. So we're sending prayers up in that way of being grateful. So I was very surprised when I started the round and all of a sudden I feel the angel of death there. And she came in and I heard this very clear message. And she said to me, you're coming into a time when the individuals who are leaving the planet will impact your lives. Many will need help in making their transitions. Remember, you're an angel of death. Prepare yourself. That was in 1994. And it was June 12th. I should say June 11th, because it was close to midnight. And the very next day, I get a phone call from my sister telling me that our brother, who was 34, just died. 
he was electrocuted at 34. Patricia Fayweather Harlow is passionate about the environment and conserving our natural resources. She's written a five-part book series for all ages called Rock with Rodney and Party with Perky to Preserve Wildlife, which brings awareness through these vibrant characters on preserving and protecting our national parks and historic landmarks. Harlow has launched a campaign to mobilize green supporters, informing a united front against big oil, big coal, and the Keystone XL pipeline, and she addresses the controversial practice of fracking in books four and five. She's determined to bring greater awareness to the dangers of drilling and running crude oil through pipelines that cut through pristine landscapes, and she empowers readers to take action in keeping America beautiful. To learn more about Patricia Fayweather Harlow and to purchase her books, visit www.patricia-fayweather-harlow.com. That's F-A-Y-E-R-W-E-A-T-H-E-R. And play your part in preserving the landscape that we all share and love. Do you ever wonder why certain things are happening in your life? How to start a business or a new direction? Need answers? Astrologer Bonnie Perbula can help you reveal your true self and gain strength and focus so you can achieve greater joy and success. Working with a natal birth date, time, and location, Bonnie brings out qualities to aid you in getting the best from your life. She can help you unlock dormant traits to bring you greater awareness. Bonnie also conducts public speaking engagements to educate aspiring astrologers on their journey to the stars. A gifted artist, Bonnie bridges her talents and recently launched a line of Astro Bears, uniquely created in colors of individuals' astrology charts. She also makes one-of-a-kind necklaces of crystal beads and woven thread. To learn more about the world of Bonnie Prabula, go to BonnieGPrabula.com. And for astrology consulting, visit AstrologyConsultants.com or call or email her at 808-526-1536 or BonnieGP at AOL.com. Do you battle with weight loss? There is a solution. Founder of Weight No More Consulting, Deborah Simons, can help you lose weight safely and effectively through weight loss surgery. I know. I had the surgery two years ago, and I am 135 pounds lighter and medication-free. This full-service weight loss center caters to your every need as you navigate to a healthy weight following surgery. Servicing all of Canada, Wait No More Consulting takes pride in its compassionate care and guides you through each step before and after surgery. Starting with informational meetings, Wait No More Consulting educates each potential client before they decide to have surgery on the health risks of obesity and the various weight loss surgeries available. After surgery, Wait No More Consulting provides a solid support system with ongoing meetings to ensure continued success. Deborah Simons and Wait No More Consulting are committed to promoting your health and wellness through maintaining a healthy weight for life. For over 50 years, Evelyn Stapula has been a loving advocate for people with disabilities throughout the state of Pennsylvania. President and founder of Big Heart Bridges, her organization actively campaigns for legislation and support of civil liberties that meet the needs of disabled individuals with housing, transportation, and employment. Ms. Dupula has joined forces with a variety of esteemed organizations that advocate for the disabled. She serves on the board of the United Cerebral Palsy of Pittsburgh and the Governor's Cabinet and Advisory Committee for People with Disabilities, and she is a consultant for the Pennsylvania Governor's Conference for Women. 
Her many efforts have led to the implementation of a transportation program for the disabled with the Access Paratransit System of Allegheny County. Evelyn Stapoulis drives daily to serve the interests of the disabled, to protect their freedoms, and enable them to live normal public lifestyles. To learn more, please call 412-491-2605 or email Evelyn at ers92645 at verizon.net. I was so angry and shocked and sad and all of those feelings that everybody has when you hear sudden news. And this was such a contrast to dad dying where we had all of that time, a year and a half, going through that process, going through our own grieving. So all of you who have lost loved ones suddenly, I really understand that whole feeling that was going on. And when I went out to the sweat lodge and stood there, I was saying, why, why, why would you leave now? At being 34 years old, he had his son was three going on four, and his wife was pregnant. And I couldn't even fathom, why would you leave now? And when I'm asking that question, I suddenly see my brother's face. And this sheepish grin goes across his face. And then he said, Toby, I never believed in this crap before. And I just screamed back at him, do you believe in it now? And then I saw him standing there with Dad. And the two of them just faded away. So Dad served as Chris's psychopomp. So that was my initiation into the whole realm of really dealing with death and really seeing, okay, there's something else that's going on. But it wasn't really giving me a clue of what was happening because I still didn't have any awareness that there was such a thing as earthbound spirits. That didn't really take place until later. This was 1994 when Dad and Chris were both gone. And at the December of 94, I went and learned about labyrinths. And part of the reason why I did that is a good friend shared with me that a labyrinth was like this walking meditation. And she thought it'd be the perfect thing for us to put out in the middle of our field, which was a soybean field that my husband had renovated back into a prairie by doing a prairie restoration project. That took six years for a stand of grass, but after six years, he cut a path all the way around it. And we were using that to walk to center ourselves before the sweat lodge. So the friends were saying, this is the perfect thing for you to put a labyrinth out there. So I went to the conference that was held that winter and I learned about labyrinths. And here again was a connection with my higher self because as I sat and listened to those labyrinth speakers, all telling about their version of the labyrinth, I was so overcome with so much emotion. 
and it didn't make any sense. There wasn't anything that they were saying that was touching in any way. And yet I was a basket case. And I realized looking back that that is one of my signals. When my higher self really touches me, when I'm really touched by what's going on, I can feel it in every part of me. And my higher self was really saying, this is part of your life's work. You need to know this. You need to have this. I came home. I doused with my very limited basic dousing skills. But I doused where the labyrinth was to go out in the prairie. And by the spring equinox of March 23rd, 1995, we laid out the prairie labyrinth, which is 166 feet in diameter. I had no idea at that time other than I had to do this. If you ever talk to people who build labyrinths, you can believe me, we're all a little obsessive. Okay, we can't not do it. So when that went out there, I had no idea that this labyrinth would be connected to earthbound spirits. But that's what started happening. Earthbound spirits began to show up. So one story I want to share with you about an earthbound spirit that showed up was a man called me and said he wanted to make an appointment and come and walk the labyrinth. And he said, I would have done this a while ago, actually a year ago, but my friend who wanted to walk it with me, he's no longer here, he's dead, so I have to come and walk it alone. So I said, fine, come on, make the appointment, we set it up. And the minute I hung up the phone from doing that, I could feel his friend, I'll call him Rex. And Rex, all I could feel was Rex was thrilled that he was gonna do this. So Rex comes and seems to be waiting for his friend, okay? And when, when I'll call the friend Chad, when Chad showed up, he went and told me that the way that Rex died was a suicide and that this was just killing him because he didn't know that Rex was going to do it and yet many of their friends did. And Chad was supposed to be his best friend. So he went walking into the labyrinth, feeling really low about this. And I went into the house and thought, well, we'll see what happens. And when I got into the house, I could feel Rex following me around all room to room, telling me that when he came out, I had to sing this certain song, a song that I wrote for Chad when he came out, which sounded just ludicrous to me. But when Chad came out, I told him, Rex is insisting that I sing this song for you. And the crazy part about the song was, I wrote this maybe three to six months earlier. And all the way through it, every time I was singing it, I kept hearing it being sung in Spanish. I don't even speak Spanish, but I had it translated into Spanish so that I could fumble my way through it. So I sit down, I sing the song for Chad, and he starts laughing. And he said, Rex was Mexican, and he was a lead guitar in a band. Of course he'd want you to sing this song for me. Well, Rex left, Chad left, 
And I thought that was the end of it. I get an email back from Chad who says, I don't know what happened there, but I feel a lot lighter. So thank you, because that really helped. And when I, I got ready to close the email, Rex was right there saying to me, no, you have to send him the words of the song before I can go. So I copied the words, I sent it to him, and when I did, I saw Rex walk to the lab, to the center of the labyrinth, turned back, winked at me, and he disappeared in the middle. I want to share with you the words to this song. There is a river, and it flows right through you. There is a river, and it flows beyond time. And when it fills you, you're bound to remember. You won't drown if you surrender to the deep love that you find. The all of who you are holds the space for you to be. The face that you're lost looking for looks back through everything you see. The all of who you are is the you you long to be. You came here from the far to ground the stars through your own humanity. So that's the show for today. Know that if you've got questions or comments that you'd like to share with me or address on an upcoming show, go to BBM Global Network and click on this show, Dead But Not Gone, or email me, toby at sagebrushexchange.com. Join me next week when we'll be going deeper into the soul-diving realms, exploring the power of the shadow of death. And know that we are made for these times. We're all on this fast-moving river together. Your willingness to play your part is a gift to the earth, uplifting us all. Know that it makes a difference, even to those who are dead but not gone. You've been listening to Dead But Not Gone with your host, Toby Evans. Listen every week as Toby will explore and discover how your life is affected from beyond the here and now on the next episode of Dead But Not Gone. You've been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.